Cool, welcome back to Winning Within, your go-to self-development podcast. We're back again with Dave Wright, a hypnotherapist from Amsterdam who helps people who help themselves. Welcome back, Dave. Thanks for having me back again. <laughs> I wanted to start with, before we were recording, we were talking about something that I found, or you were explaining something I found particularly interesting about self-sabotage. Yeah. And, yeah, can you just explain what you were explaining to me? Yeah, so often the, the, the person inside themselves, they have what they call the saboteur. And what that does, it's trying to protect you from inner pain mostly it's like emotional pain of some kind and how it does that it sort of tries to convince you not to do things so you can like um, compare it to like imagine you're going to climb a mountain and that climbing of a mountain might be uh, going into a relationship going into like a job doing a study doing whatever and uh, connecting with someone and it's there's a deep belief in there that you're not good enough and you're not going to be able to make it or whatever and there's a lot of emotional pain there inside that hasn't been recognized yet, so therefore it hasn't been able to express. And the saboteur, it, it, it knows this, so it mm. tries to protect you from it by telling you things like, you're not good enough, don't start climbing that mountain, because you know it's not going to work, is it? And that's how it'll come across. It'll be telling you that all the time. So people often see the saboteur as something that's like bad and it's against them, but it's not because it's just trying to protect you actually from like uncomfortable feelings. Mm. Because imagine you go into that relationship and then it, it fails and then you fall and it's going to resonate with that like reservoir of deep inner pain inside. Mm. And it's going to cause a lot of like uh, painful feelings and stuff inside. And if you're ready to feel those feelings, then you could just say to the saboteur, thanks for protecting me for those years, because often it protects you for a long a long period of time since you were a child. You can just say to it, like, you know, I'm ready to take the responsibility now. So mm. I'll climb up that mountain. And if I fall and I feel those uncomfortable feelings, which is normally uh, disappointment, that was one for me, like in the past, a big one. Mm. A feeling of worthlessness, another one for me from the past. Uh, these are typical ones that you feel, feeling of rejection and stuff like that. Very intense feelings, very overwhelming if there's a reservoir of them there. And basically it's just trying to protect you from them by telling you, don't do it because you're not good enough. You won't be able to make it. And by mm. doing that, you don't even start climbing the mountain. Yeah. And therefore you can't fall. Yeah. So it's like there's there's a mechanism in place that's actually to to look at it differently. There's sort of a mechanism in place, an amazing mechanism that everyone has in place, uh, like a genius mechanism inside the brain that's like, well, I don't want if you tell it I don't want to feel this, this and that, then I'll be like, okay, and like magic yeah. is just gonna like have a lot of influence over the way that you conduct your life and what you attract and um yeah so so you won't do things that could put you more at risk of feeling those things definitely and so self-sabotage people think self-sabotage because they mean that they're trying to do something but it's like another part of them is trying to not make that happen yeah so they're sabotaging themselves but actually it's just they're not aware of uh the commands they've given to their brain they're not aware of their own programming their programming is telling them like don't 
don't do that because then you'll feel that. But you could use the secret magic key that you've uh, talked a lot about and to just be like, well, it's okay to feel this or it's okay to feel anything. And then when it's okay and when you teach your brain that it's okay to feel anything, your brain no longer, it can let go of the self-sabotaging mechanism because or or it no longer need you you basically tell your brain it no longer needs to protect you from these things therefore it doesn't stop you from trying to build that business or trying to you know do this or that or yeah. things that might make you happy because it's okay to fail now because yeah. it's okay to feel disappointed now yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's okay to feel rejected now that's where it comes from and when you, you'll notice if you say to it, so if you've got a fear, let's say you've got a fear of like having a relationship or something with someone and you, your saboteur comes along and says like, oh, don't be doing that. You're not good enough. They won't like you. You're not good enough. You're not the right person for them. You're weak. You're whatever. And comes with all these things. What it's probably learned mostly from your parents who have ever programmed that idea into you. So it's took on their idea actually. And it's sort of stepping in between you and them before it's going to happen so if you're living with your parents you want to always please your parents because you don't know what to do you don't know how to put a roof over your head and you don't know how to like look after yourself so you want to please them all the time you want them always to be happy with you and stuff so the sab they might have told you you know like you're not good enough or whatever and that makes you feel unhappy inside gives you an uncomfortable feeling and the saboteur get created by the subconscious to protect you from those feelings so instead of trying to do something and feeling those feelings it'll say well don't even try you know the authority figures in our life they told you you're not good enough the hypnotic program in there it's saying you're not good enough you know you're not good enough so you know don't do that thing because otherwise you might fall and then you're going to fall hard aren't you so i'm just here to protect you and stop you doing that Mm. Stop you getting the idea that you're going to succeed because deep down inside there's a suggestion in here that says that you're not good enough and that you're a failure and that you're, and then just fill it in with whatever was programmed in. Mm. So until you're ready to, t to say to the saboteur, uh, I'm ready to take the responsibility now to climb up the mountain, the metaphoric mountain, and if I fall and I feel disappointment or rejection or whatever, then it's okay to feel this now. And that's how you would use the magic secret key. So, like, imagine you want to go on that relationship and it says, don't do it because, like, you're not good enough. They're going to find out that, like, you you know, you're worthless and that. And then you could just say to it, well, from now on, it's okay if people think I'm worthless. And what will happen then is either there'll be a release where the saboteur, which is often connected to your fear, will say, it's okay now. Yeah, it's okay now to feel that. It's okay to... It's okay if someone thinks that I'm, you know, worthless. It's okay to feel rejected and that. It'd be like, really? Is that okay now? And it'll either just let it go or there'll be something from deep down from uh, from the past which will come up and disagree with that. And that'll be the part of you that's hurt inside and really thinks that he or she is not good enough and really feels or thinks that he or she is worthless and it will come up so that you can connect with it and then you can use the magic secret key again with that just to say to it it's okay to feel you now not try and convince it that it's good enough that's where people go wrong they try to convince it then but you are good enough because and then they'll try and convince it and what that does it gives that part of you the feeling that you don't understand me at all Mm. I feel like I'm not good enough and you're just basically telling me you are good enough. It doesn't work like that. Mm. You're not connecting with me. You don't understand me. doesn't trust you. 
Whereas when you say, it's okay for you to feel like you're not good enough, it's okay for you to feel like you're worthless, suddenly it's like, oh, someone understands me. Because mm. that's the way I feel. So it's useless to tell it that it feels, it should feel another way. It's pointless. And that's how you can heal those things. Because you're proving to the saboteur, like, I don't need you anymore to protect me. It's not really protecting you. It thinks it is. It's doing its best job, what it can do. Because, again, it's from this idea that those uncomfortable feelings are problems. And mm. they're not. They're just parts of you that want to be healed. They've, they've suffered pain. They've been abused mentally and physically, emotionally, whatever. And then the worst part of it is that you reject them. And that's what causes the real pain inside. Mm. And when you stop doing that, because you take the responsibility and you say, well, I'm responsible for these feelings now. So if they come up, I'm going to connect with them with self-love, unconditional love, pure recognition without judging them and say to them, well, you're allowed to feel that way and you're allowed to think that and you're allowed to say that. So one part might come up and say, I hate my parents and that. Now, normally what people would do is, you can't say that. You can't say you got to hate your parents. It's just like saying to, you know, it's like me saying to you, oh, I feel like this and you just, no, you don't. You don't feel like that. But I do feel like, no, you don't. You're not going to connect with me in that way. Mm. You're not showing any kind of empathy or anything for my experience. So to try and tell it, like in this case, that like it shouldn't hate its parents, there's no point. Because it does hate its parents. Mm. So when you say to it, well, you're allowed to say that now. That's unconditional love. I love you unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you say, uh, what you think. Whatever comments you want to make, you can just speak freely now with me. Because I accept you just the way you are. Not that you're right or wrong. It's just I recognize that's your experience at the moment. Mm. And like we were saying earlier, this would be what uh, some call shadow work. Yeah. Shadow work, inner child work, that kind of thing. Mm. Just a part of you that's being rejected by the mind, basically, because it hurts too much. Or because it doesn't fit in with the mind's idea of what it's being told. You should, you must, or you have to be. Because it's always coming, pretty much always coming from force. It's always coming from like, you must be like this. Whereas the heart's always coming from choice. You can be like this. You may be like this. Mm. You could be like this. It doesn't force you to do anything. Whereas the, the hypnotic program is often coming from force. You have to change to be accepted back in here. And that's why you stay stuck all the time that's why I often get people who come to me because a lot of people come to me and say I've got like a deep part of me inside but I just can't connect with it at all and that's often why because they're trying to fix it and Mm. they'll never ever connect with it in that way properly if you try and fix it because basically what you're saying to it is I don't understand you and you have to change for me and then I'll be happy whereas the heart just says you don't have to change at all I recognise you and I recognise your pain and you're allowed to think and feel that way mm. and by that it just it trusts you then it's like oh eventually someone who fucking understands me you know what I mean mm. yeah so it's like the healing itself if uh, you want to say healing is not like when you don't have any pain but it's about accepting your pain yeah being okay with it not that it's good or, or bad. Yeah. Not that it's true or not true, or true or false. Just that it's there. There it is. Yeah. I accept you as being there, not right or wrong. You're there. I recognize you without judgment. That's self-love. 
Yeah, so it it's almost like um, it's more your labeling of that pain being a problem has caused more problems than that pain just being there. Yeah, because it's not a problem. Yeah, but the no. fact that you treat it as a problem creates problems. Yeah, the mind treats it as a problem yeah. because the heart would never treat it as a problem. We'd always recognize it for what it is. Yeah. It's just what it is. So a lot of good comes when you recognize that it's actually like whatever you feel is okay. Yeah, which is self-love, which is unconditional love, pure recognition without any judgment. Mm. And conditional love is recognition with judgment. Mm. And that's the difference between the heart and the mind. Because yeah. the heart can't, the heart can't really ever like see it any other way than that because it lives in that non-duality. There's not two, whereas the mind lives in that duality all the time, and that's why it's not possible for it to give itself unconditional love because there's always conditions connected to it. Why? Because it lives in the duality. And? Well, just for that simple reason. So in duality, it needs to have conditions. Well, it it is conditions, isn't it? If there's two then there's a, like a good and a bad. Mm, and it right. thinks that way all the time. Right. When all these things match up to my idea of what it should, must or has to be, then I'll be happy. And when it doesn't, then I won't be happy. That's why I'll never find that total happiness in that duality because it'll only ever find it for a short amount of time and then it'll lose it again because it can't control every single thing that happens and it tries to do that. Whereas the heart just says, well, I'm just okay with whatever happens. Mm. there's no judgment down here in the heart I just am I just recognise and so what happens when you go from living a life where you habitually resist events and things that just happen when you habitually resist life to no longer resisting life at all well again it depends which way you look at it if you think you've achieved it in the mind, it's only going to be temporary. Sooner or later, you're going to go back to resisting again, because that's what it does. Mm. It's just a software program, basically, and if you're identified with it, then it's you who's resisting. But when you recognize it for what it is, it's it's resisting. So if I speak from this perspective here, when I'm speaking from my intellect will still resist and do all the things because it can't help it. It lives in that duality. It's going to resist some things. It's going to say, I don't like those things and I do like these things. But my heart will say to the mind or the intellect, whatever you want to call it, you're allowed to resist and you're allowed to allow. And that way, I'm always allowing from the heart. It doesn't make any difference what the mind's saying anymore. Mm. I don't identify with it as being me anymore. Right. It's just a character I'm playing. Yeah, so, so the problem, well, yeah, if you want to use the problem, the word problem is more, is actually just identification with the mind. Well, that's what sort of causes the problem because only problems and solutions are existent in the, in mind. the mind. Yeah, so if you identify with the mind, then you, you, you sort of uh, get access to the problems. Yeah, well, you, you sit in that problem-solution thing yeah. all the time. Whereas if you're just in the heart, then you just realize the problem and solution's going on in the mind and the mind's going on in me. Yeah. Creating meaning. Yeah, it creates meanings for things and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. And if it didn't have the ability to create meaning, it, it wouldn't resist because it needs the meaning to resist. It resists due to a meaning well, that you give it. Well, like we said before, and it's one of those powerful questions, like uh, 
without using any kind of thinking, what does the meaning of resistance actually mean? What does resistance, what does the word resistance actually mean without using any kind of thinking? If we ask the six-month-year-old baby lying in the cot and that, mm. what does resistance mean? They just look at us, just being. doesn't mean anything to it at all. Well, it's funny, like, you know that's happened, like, when I've just said a word over and over again? Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah, so, because you sort of, I think the scientific explanation is that, like, you, you're stimulating the neuron so, so much it gets overstimulated and, and then suddenly like it doesn't mean couch. anything anymore. Couch. Yeah. I've had that with the word couch. Yeah, definitely. Where I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Couch? Well, that's the thing, is that when you're in that hypnotic dream world of that, like, thinking... Yeah. then it sort of means something to you. But when you step out of it, then suddenly it doesn't mean anything to you. It means something to the character in the film that you've been playing. Mm. Yeah, when you recognise that you are not the mind, you recognise, yeah, those are just meanings created by the mind. Yeah. And so you can just observe them. Yeah. And they're not yours anymore. They're just the characters. So we said it before, you know, I often have it when people come to me and they come and they, their whole life's like a mess and they're depressed and they, they hate their life and they hate everything. And then I give them the tools and they use the tools and then suddenly they'll say to me, oh, I've lost my mind and I've lost all control and I've lost my way and all that. And I'll be like, well, congratulations, because that was the very thing that was keeping you in that shitty life. You've stepped out of the character and you've gone into the heart. And now, in the heart, there's unlimited potential. Now you can create a new character. Mm. And what most people do is they'll want to create a new character and then identify with that again. So like we talked about on the last podcast, that was more about like going deep into the hypnotic program and letting go of all of it. But most people don't come to me for that. They just want to let go of one part of the hypnotic program and, mm. and I substitute it for another. So that's basically what I do. I help them step out of that character, that hypnosis of who they think they are, with the most important word in that sentence, think. And then they come into the neutral self, and then from the neutral self, they can choose another character, and they step into that one. Mm. And they become that one, and they identify with that one. No. Yeah, so it's just a, a hypnosis. The mind hypnotizes. Yeah. And you can choose your hypnosis. Because it's just another word for programming and conditioning. Mm. So all that programming and conditioning in there, it creates an experience for you. That's special to you. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's like you just have a programmable computer in your head. You just have access to that and that's going to, and you can just, you can modify that and you can code your own programming. Yeah. And the easiest way to do it is just to stay in your heart because your heart is like a true you in that sense. And if you just stay in your inner resonance, then it will automatically program it in line with that because the mind came after the heart. The heart comes always. And what does that mean, practically speaking, to stay in your inner resonance? Well, just to do things that you enjoy doing all the time. Mm. Do things that are easy for you and creative and playful. and Because these are all qualities that come out the heart, not come out the mind. Oh, things that you enjoy, yeah. Going back to like we've said it before, haven't we? You know, if you're forced to do a study where you think, I'll do this study now so to get some enjoyment later and that, that's the mind, that's the hypnotic programming, forcing your heart to do something it doesn't want to do. And mm. that's why you get demotivated. That's why you're not motivated. 
Whereas if it's something that you do enjoy doing in your heart, try and stop someone doing that. Mm. Once they've found something that really resonates with them, try and stop them doing it. You won't be able to. Yeah, but people still... At, uh, there are still people who have things that they resonate with that they don't do, right? Yeah. So why is that? Well, you'd have to ask them, though. That's going to be different for every single person. But if I was to generalise, it's probably because the hypnotic programming is telling them you should, must, or have to do something else. Right. What your parents have told you to do, or what society's told you to do, or what your friends have told you to do, or what your partner's told you to do. Mm. If I was to guess, then it would probably be that. Because yeah. why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you do something that you enjoy doing all the time? Yeah. What would stop you doing that? Only some limiting belief in your in your computer telling you, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. Well, I think I've had one for a while about uh, kickboxing. Mm-hmm. I did kickboxing when I was uh, 15 yeah. in England. I didn't do it for too long, but I loved it. And uh, I... Then I moved to France, and that's why I stopped. Um, and I I never go back to it. And like sometimes I think about going back to it, but because I've resonated with it a lot. But what my brain tells me is like, mm, I don't know. Especially now that I studied like TBIs, like uh, traumatic brain injuries. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like yeah, just getting hit in the head is not like that great. So that's more like the cognitive part, but I feel like I would love to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I also feel like there's some there's some truth in that in like the risk entailed in getting like hit in the head and stuff. Well, do you cross the road? How many times do you cross the road every day? Yeah. How much uh, risk is involved in that? That's a highly risky activity. <laughs> you do it every day. So again, it's like. It's like the heart's like, I want to live. And the hypnotic program is like, I want to keep you safe. Or I want to like com- make us conform to everyone else. So like everyone will like us. Mm. That's often what it's saying all the time. Because you don't know. This might be your last day. I often True. think of that for myself. This might be my last day. Often when I wake up in the morning, I'll be like, wow, I'll get another day. Unbelievable. <laughs> when when I used to be in depressive phases, I'd wake up and think, ah, oh, fuck, another day. Shit, <laughs> I wish I was dead. So again, it's about the meaning you're giving it to. Mm. So, do you want to live your life all safe and that and live to 80? Or do you want to like live your life like, like doing all things that excite you and like yeah. take some risks? And True. Who knows? Yeah. It's up to you. It's your choice. Life says your choice up to you to decide do you want to live in your inner resonance in your heart or do you want to live in your hypnotic programming that's probably being programmed by other people Mm. do you want to live your own life that's what I often say to people do you want to live your own life or do you want to live the life of your parents or the life of whoever Mm. your life of your partner your life of your friends they've got their own life I would I know which one I choose for but I'm not there to make that choice for you I am here to point it out to you if you come to me and say I'm depressed and I'm not happy and I'm not whatever and it's my job as your part of your mirror is to reflect that back to you and say well it seems like from this perspective that these things that you're doing are not helping you to get what you want what would be helping you to get what you want and then it's up to you then to actually go and do it or not
Yeah. Cool. Yeah, to, to investigate the, the things that that resonate with you and then to do them. Go and do them as much yeah. as possible and yeah. as long as possible and as often as possible. And then when you notice that they don't resonate with you anymore, then change and do mm. something else. Because that way you're not waiting for some future events to come along and say, oh, you know, now it's great. Now I'm happy. You could just have it right here, right now. It's just the way it is. It's your choice in that sense. Mm. You can either allow the hypnotic programming to restrict you and try and fit into what everyone else wants and please other people and all that. Or you could just live in your inner resonance and you'll automatically pull all the people to you that's going to resonate with that and you'll automatically repel all the ones that don't resonate with it, which will be great because then you're not going to be wasting time. Hmm. Life's too short. I love it, yeah. Live your life to the max. Yeah, from out your heart, not yeah. from out your hypnotic programming. Funny thing about it is, the more you live out your heart, the more your hypnotic programming over time will just line up with that. Because you'll be creating, remember, the hypnotic programming is writing a suggestion all the time. Mm-hmm. So as you're experiencing something, it writes a suggestion about that and creates a belief. It creates an idea from like, oh, look, this is happening. Oh, I did that today and that was great. It's literally writing it into computer in real time all the time. Mm-hmm. So the more you live in your heart, the more it's writing that into the into the programming. After a while, everything that disagrees with that will just be let go of. And all you'll have in your computer is things that resonate with your inner resonance because you're just living in that all the time. Okay, so you just said the more you do, you live out your heart, the more that's going to be programmed into you. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, every day when you're experiencing something, the hypnotic programming inside writes a suggestion about it. So let's say, like, let's take two different days. One day I'm going to force myself to go and let's say, like, I'm going to a study that I think it's going to help me, like, maybe in two years' time. I'm going to force myself to do it and that, like. So I go to that study. I have to drag myself out of bed. So that gets written into my program. I have to drag myself out of bed today. Oh, fuck, man. Like, oh, God, that's going to be, like, two hours. Oh, I'm going to have to listen two hours to this boring lecture and that, like, oh, God. So all the time in that two hours, you're just getting written, oh, this is boring, oh, when's this going to end? They'd be projecting into the future all the time. And then we go right through the day with that kind of thing. And then the next day I get up and I think, I'm going to do something I really enjoy doing today. So I spring out of bed, probably earlier than what I would normally get up because I'm like totally excited to go and do it. I'm feeling excitement inside. That's going to get written into my computer now. I'm feeling excited and it's like, oh, what a wonderful day. Oh, it's great. And that like, you might go outside, might be pissing down with rain. Don't even notice I'm going to do that thing that I love doing. You get there, you're doing it. Every time you're doing something, your hypnotic program is just getting updated all the time. Oh, this is great. Oh, I love doing this. I enjoy this. And the whole time you're resonating on that frequency of like pure enjoyment. You're not thinking about the future because the future, what? Future? I'm not even thinking about it. I'm too busy having fun in the here and now. And that gets written into your computer. So let's take those two days and separate them and say, like, what's going to happen if for the first day you do that for two years? What's going to get written into your hypnotic programming the whole time? Lack, boredom. Oh, life's horrible. Oh, life's so difficult. Oh, I'm not living with purpose. Oh, all that. 
And then we take the other one, you're going to do that for two years. What's going to get written into your computer? Life's amazing. Wow, I love doing this. I feel so great. Mm. That's the difference. And would I be right in saying that, let's say we're looking at the, the person who is consistently doing things they resonate with and are therefore like really enjoying the, the, the present moment. Would, would you agree in saying that those things are actually like kind of meaningless? They're just a, a, a means to the end, which is to just, uh, place your attention on the present moment. Mm. What do you think? What, what do you mean by those things? Well, um, so when you do something that you resonate highly with, you're, you're not resisting anything because you really enjoy exactly. the thing that you're doing. And so I was just curious, like, if you could kind of see it that way and just that way you, you could even bypass those activities because there's only a certain amount of time you can do those activities you can't do it 24 hours a day and so if you just have the mechanism uh which this activity certain activities will facilitate i suppose you could just use the mechanism even without the activity and just be like well i'm just going to be like i know i know you wouldn't phrase it like that but like i would just be in the present moment i would just place my attention in the present moment uh, which 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 negates resistance because you can't be both present and in resistance well you can experience resistance in the present moment you can resist things in the present moment your feelings always come up in the present moment they're always in the present they're never in the past so if you're resisting in a pain inside there that's happening in the present mm. that's why if you ever want to be in the present moment all you have to do is connect with any feeling in your body because it's always happening in the here and now it's never happening in the future or the past you might be thinking right. of something in the future or the past but the feeling will always be happening in the here and now yeah but if you're in the here and now you can't resist you can't be resisting right yeah you can resist that feeling right people do that all the time mm, okay okay a feeling of fear comes up oh i don't like that feeling of fear i'm not going to feel it you're resisting it mm. yeah i think maybe what you were alluding to which was a good like insight is that Instead of doing activities that you enjoy doing all the time, what you could do is just change the meaning of everything. And that's why when you keep recognizing what you truly are inside, that's why that will always overpower anything that's going on outside. When you what? When you recognize what you truly are. Right. Like what we were talking about in the last podcast. Yeah. When you recognize that you are pure awareness, you are an unlimited being energy being just having an experience as a limited being for a short amount of time anytime those limitations seem to be blocking you you can just go right back to the pure realization pure recognition that i am an unlimited being i am unconditional love basically and when you realize that and you recognize that then it just overpowers everything mm. but even though you are this being you you live with the illusion of not being well that's part of the game so it seems isn't it? Yeah, yeah you allow yourself to become limited and then what most people do is fall in love with the limitations and think that's who i am i am those limitations mm. and they're scared of letting them go because they think if i let them go then i'm going to let myself go 
And that's why they're controlled all the time and micromanaged because I have to hold on to myself. I want to keep control because if I was to let go, then I'll lose my limitations and I'll lose myself because they're mm. so identified with those limitations. So if those limitations go, they go, they think. They think, yeah. So like we said before, life's like water and you're an ice block in the water. And if you really think that you are the ice block and that, like, then if that ice block melts, then you've gone, you've mm. disappeared. But if you recognize that you are the water and the ice block's made out of the water, then suddenly you can just go through that with like with the limitations, knowing that you're limited, and at the same time knowing that you're unlimited at the same time. Mm. You're just playing the game. Just playing, that's just playful. And that's why it changes into playfulness instead of seriousness, because people get lost in that seriousness, like I have to prove myself, I have to show everyone that I'm good enough and that. And once that sort of disappears, then it's just playful now. So you can step into any character that you want to play, and play it well, play it not well, whatever. You can get success with that character. You can get failure with that character. It doesn't matter because you're just playing. That's yeah. all. It's just a game. It wouldn't matter any more than like if you win or lose in a video game. Exactly. Well, that's actually what it is, isn't it? It's like a 3D holographic video game. Yeah, like you could conceptualize it, right? Exactly. Like you're just. It's exactly the same. Yeah, in a in a high in a HD, like yeah, uh, first person hologram. Yeah. So you're game. totally identified with the avatar in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you really and in the game you can play other games. And that's it. And that's the thing. And that's what's funny about it. The avatar can get damaged in the game, but you can never get damaged in the game because you are the game is in you. Mm. That's why it's funny. After a while, so you know the puppet can get damaged, the avatar can get damaged, and that'll hurt. You know, if it gets burnt, it's gonna hurt. If it falls over and breaks its arm, it's gonna hurt. And at the same time, you know that what you truly are can never be damaged by anything that goes on in that game because you're not that avatar. You're mm. just associating with it, that's all. Yeah. And so you you associate with it and how do you disassoci- disassociate? Well, you just them? start recognising what you truly are. By asking yourself... Am I aware? Am I aware? For instance, there's like many questions you can use to do that. Like, that's just one of them. Mm. There are many different ones. Why does that one work? Because it's just right to the point. You are the awareness in which everything happens. So you're just basically asking, am I the awareness in it in which everything happens? And the answer is always going to be yes. That's why it's just so simple. Huh. And what most people will do, they'll look for like an answer which comes in the form of a thought. You're not looking for that answer. You're looking for the silent space. And once you see that, once you recognize the silent space, you just relax in it and realize, oh, I am the silent space. I am the awareness. I am the conscious silent space of the here and now. And I just recognized it. So are you like hypnotizing yourself out of your hypnosis? Well, it's sort of, you're sort of letting the hypnotic programming be exposed for what it is. Yeah. It's just hypnotic programming, that's all. Telling you that you're something that you're not. And what you're doing with that question and with all those kind of questions is you're sending your attention outwards because it'll always go away from you first, but then it won't find the answer out there. So it'll come back to its source. So you're making your attention focus on yourself, but you'll never be able to perceive yourself as an object or or a thought. You are the conscious silent space and therefore it'll always experience it as like, oh, there's nothing there. And that's why it misses it all the time. Because it's looking for something, like a thought or something. <clears throat> that's not where you are. Those thoughts come and go all the time. You don't come and go. Mm. 
it's often called the direct path because it's it's not really a path but again to sort of say it in the language of the intellect so it can be sort of understand it and that because it's what you're doing is there's no path you already are the path you could say the path is in you there's mm-hmm. no path but it seems like it's a path for the intellect because it goes with its attention it goes away first from itself and then comes back but it's not the intellect that's actually being aware it's the individual consciousness that sort of like goes outside of itself looks for itself out there can't find it comes back and then realizes oh i am it but not as a thought just as recognizing mm. the conscious silent space of the here and now that it is that and always has been and will never ever be anything else no matter what the mind says that it is even when it tells it it's like a little limited puppet that's just happening in me Right, yeah, and and when you say, um, I mean, a lot of what you talk about, I would say, would resonate with like uh, the notions of surrender. Yeah. Right. Like it sounds, from what you say, that yeah, that you encourage uh, people to just surrender to what is. It's not really a word that you, you typically no, I, use. I don't like to use it, actually, right. because it's a little bit confusing as well. Because for most people, it's like a, a negative word. It's like mm. surrender, you know? Like, it's if you're in a war and you surrender. <laughs> and, like, and really, all you're really surrendering is this illusion. That's all that's really going on. If you were to use that word, I wouldn't use that word. I always like to use the word recognize because that's way more mm. descriptive for me about the way I would understand it and the way I would explain it. doesn't mean to say that it's wrong to use that word. Like we said before, we're using associations and I have my own associations which I've refined over the years to be able to say it even more clearly and even more directly every single time. So I'm always adjusting the way I say things and that, I'm always listening to the way I'm saying it because like I've said before, I'm not really saying it, it's sort of coming through me and there's always like a part of me that's sort of listening to it and thinking, oh, you could use another word there that's better, that's more descriptive. Mm. So that's why like, you know, if you if you listen to other people, they might explain it a different way mm. and I would suggest that like you listen to as many different people explain these kind of things in in their way. So just before we started, I said to you, uh, Rupert Spiro would be a good one. Mm. Um, Moji would be a good one. Um, if you go right back in time, Ramana Maharshi was like one of the ones where this kind of thing came from. Ramana Maharshi. Ramana Maharshi. Yeah, I haven't heard of him. Yeah, he's like a, a very famous one. Uh, I use actually one of his famous quotes, uh, make the experience the goal. That was one of his ones. Mm. So... There's another one, I find it very hard to say his name, and I'll probably butcher it now, but I'll do my best. Naragata Maharaj. Oh, yeah, is he the one from Waking from the Trance? That's... One of the ones, yeah, because it was like, he was the one of the ones that Stephen Walensky uh, connected with there. And mm. uh, again, these are like really, they'll explain it maybe slightly different, but pretty much they're all pointing to the same thing, actually. Yeah, and and people dif- uh, people. Um, people resonate with different ways of explaining one thing exactly so which could actually sort of uh, like explain why religion caters to certain uh, functions I guess like they they all do tend to 
point to the same thing. Yeah. But they say it in a different way. But yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Like you would say recognize, someone else would say surrender. Yeah. Most people would probably like understand both, yeah. but resonate more with one. Exactly. And uh yeah, so I guess it's up to you to like find like the the people who you resonate with who say, you know, like certain people listen to and resonate more with different ways of uh, different teachings i guess so just follow your own yeah follow your own inner guidance system and yeah and i wouldn't think of this actually as a teaching it's more of a sharing of insights and stuff i'm not trying to teach you anything because what's being suggested here you know on a deeper level you know it already I'm mm. not telling you anything you don't already know. It's just that the hypnotic program has cluttered it all up and made it difficult for you to recognize. And all I'm doing is just sharing insights that you know on a deep level already. So I don't consider it as like a teaching. It's more of a sharing. I'm just sharing insights with you. And if mm. they resonate with you, great. Use them if you can use them in, to your advantage or to the advantage of other people. Do that. And if you can't, then just let them go or just leave them. You know, mm. they're all free. They're not mine. They're, they're not mine, the puppets. They're mine, the universe. If I speak as the universe, they are mine. But that means they're yours as well because you are me. Mm. There's no separation at all. It's just an illusion. There's also, I, I would say, uh, part of like stoicism in. Um, some of the things that you share like yeah this idea of uh yeah total acceptance i guess total recognition not judgment uh that's kind of what they talk about too right just i don't really know it that well i know a little bit here and there but i, I don't really mm. couldn't really make that much of a comment on it because i have i'm not really don't really know what the philosophy is fair okay um so yeah yeah i was uh maybe we could talk a bit more about uh limiting beliefs yeah yeah and uh how to sort of maybe uh create a mental an illustration of what they do, like to uh, with your perception yeah. of reality. Like there was this quote that I, well, this definition of beliefs that I read a while ago that like uh, knocked my socks off a bit. Yeah, what was it? It was uh, beliefs are things that uh, show you the part of reality that are in harmony with those beliefs. Yeah, definitely. I'll say it again, because it's like maybe hearing it. Beliefs are things that show you the part of reality that are in harmony with those beliefs, which, like, to me, I interpret I interpret that as meaning, like, whatever you believe, life's just going to show you evidence of it. Yeah, because you're in a tunnel vision, aren't you? It's often called confirmation bias. It's a trance, basically. You just right. put yourself in a trance. Or it's put you in a trance. And as long as you stay in that trance and you don't challenge it at all, then it seems to be 
the truth. Mm. Don't go looking anywhere else because this is the truth. And if you go looking anywhere else, you're just going to get disappointed. You're just going to prove more and more that this is true. So don't go looking. Mm. When all it is, it's just like one very limited perception of reality. And as long as you keep looking from that perspective, it will seem like that is the truth. That's how it works. Mm. That's why those sleight of mouth questions are very good at like flipping you out of one reality and putting you in another. Because first of all, you ask, is it true? How do I know that it's true now? And then you create doubt because you can almost never prove that it's totally true now. And then by asking, well, how would I know if it wasn't true? What you're actually saying is, what's the opposite to this? Mm. And when you do that, you go in your imagination, which you pretend, which we know how powerful pretending can be, you pretend that you're in the other tunnel vision now and suddenly you've got access to all those things that you didn't have access to. Just because you asked one question, how would I know if it wasn't true? Mm. Yeah, and, and and it's hard to uh, create a reality you can't even imagine, right? Well, yeah, in, in that sense, it can be created and then you can discover it, of course. But if you want to create it yourself, <laughs> you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You could start with the feeling. That could do it as well. That would probably be more powerful, in fact. Mm. Start with the feeling. How do I want to feel? Or I want to feel like whatever. Joy. Okay. Then create that feeling of joy. And while you're resonating on that feeling of joy, then ask yourself, well, if I had my perfect life and this was like the basic feeling of it, what would it look like? And now, bam, you've stimulated your mm. imagination to come up with all ideas. Yeah. And, but what, uh, hmm, how could you do that, like, consistently? Because, I mean, you would probably say that's just a choice to do that, right? Well, what I do, I can only say from my own perspective, what I do, anything gets in my way, I'm going to challenge that straight away. I'm not going to let it grow there anymore. If it's getting in my way for doing something I want to do, I'm going to challenge it straight away. Hmm. That's how I do it. So anything, otherwise I'm not going to bother. I'll just I'll go about my business and I'll live my life and everything's going the way I want to go. If I want it to go, then I'll be enjoying it. I'll be too busy enjoying to even think about whether it's wrong or right or whatever. It just resonates with me. But if something gets in my way, I'm going to challenge that straight away. Some kind of limiting belief pops up and tells me I can't do something that I, I want to do. I'm going to challenge that straight away. I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to be right on it straight away. Mm. that's just the way I do it it's the most effective because why wait yeah. right on it now what's going how do I know this is true it's trying to block me in that like how do I know might want to might be an advisor coming up wanting to tell me something very important I'm going to connect with that straight away tell me what you want to tell me what do you want to tell me what made you come up hmm because that's just living in the here and now all the time because I don't really live in the future or the past I used to in the past when I used to suffer with depression phases I'd live in the past obviously and most people who live in anxiety they're living in the future all the time because they're scared of what's going to happen instead of being curious of what could happen you know most people who suffer with anxiety they're just creating images in the future and scenes in a film in the future where it's all horrible and it's all going wrong and that when you could just as easily be very curious about the future and think of all the wonderful things that are going to happen because those people who often suffer with heavy anxiety, they've often got a very, very um, 
important and valuable talent. It's just that they're using it for the wrong. What thing. talent? The talent is to be able to create a, an imagination of a reality in the future so vivid and so strong that they actually step into it and they're scared shitless of it because it's normally a horror film what they're creating. Mm. And I often say to them, I often have this with people, I get these people quite a lot, I often say to them, you've got a gift, you've got a talent, you're just using it in the wrong way. What would happen if you just started being curious about all the good things that could happen now and use that same you know, mechanism, what you've got, shit, and yeah. step into that and then live it from there and then mm. bring that back into the here and now and then ask yourself one empowering question, what could I do right now to make that happen? Mm. But the thing is, all of this stuff will require you to like... Um, be conscious, right? Because by default, if your programming doesn't line up to that, you're going to think negatively, right? Yeah, which will create an advisor that will come up and tell you that and say, this isn't resonating with us. Yeah. What are you thinking up there? That's what I'd probably say. What are you thinking? What did you just mm. think there? What kind of beliefs going on there? Because I got created and something in here that doesn't resonate with our true, natural inner being. Yeah. And most people are just trying to drink it away or smoke it away or sex it away or whatever it away, try and get rid of it because they think it's a problem. And it's not a problem. It's just an honest subconscious signal coming up saying, hey, time to have a little bit of investigation. There's something going on in our in our kingdom, in our queendom here. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not resonating. That's why if it was me, I'd be right on that straight away. I'd be like, what's getting in our way? To stop us doing, living in our hearts. Mm. Stop us resonating so on our highest. This reason. the feeling that So basically, yeah, you're you're continually throughout the day, you're entertaining thoughts, you're pre producing thoughts to put yourself on that frequency of like fulfillment or whatever it is that you want. Uh but occasionally uh, different things will come up and then uh you're saying that's then getting in the way of feeling the feeling that would be in resonance with the frequency that you want to be on, right? I mm, suppose you could put it like that. I would think of it more like it's just getting in my way to do what I want to do. I've decided I want to resonate on this frequency and do this thing or whatever it is, and that's getting in my way. Feeling this could be anything, could be a limiting belief coming up, telling right, me I can't right. do it, could be a, 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 what most people would call. A negative feeling, what I would call an uncomfortable feeling, an advisor from the subconscious telling me, like, there's some programming in here that's telling us, for instance, if it was fear coming up, there's some programming in here that's telling us that's dangerous. Mm. Is that correct? And I'd be like, oh, let's evaluate it. Let's have a little look. What's making you say that, that it's dangerous? And then I'd get the information from it. And then I'd evaluate it. And then I'd say to it, I'd use the magic secret key if I want, still wanted to do it. And I'd say to it, well, it's okay to feel that now. Say it came up and said, oh, we're going to get rejected and or whatever. I'll say, it's okay to feel rejected now. Oh, they're going to hate us. They're going to say all horrible things about us. It's okay if they hate us and they say all horrible things about us. And what that'll do is just tell the fear, reprogram that now. That's okay now. I've just reprogrammed it in the, in the here and now. I've just told it because I'm the here and now me and mm. I'm the one with all the power. I can change any program at any moment at any time by asking the right question, by changing the definitions, by doing what I want to do, by living in my heart, I can change any programming in there at any moment, at any time, if I choose to. It might come up, it might tell me something, and I think, whoa, 
Good job you said that. I didn't think about that at all. You're right. I'm not going to do that. I had, a, I had a wrong perception of that, and that's not going to. That's not. That's not what I want. I didn't see that part of it. I wasn't aware of it. Thanks for coming up and making me aware of that. That's that's pretty dangerous actually, because really it's just a. It's like a balance in it. How much am I going to get out of it? Against how much risk is it going to give? Mm. So if the risk's like way, like imagine, it's like saying going to the casino and saying like, uh, I'm going to put like a million euro on red to win one euro. Mm. There's no point in doing that. My fear might come up and tell me that. That's not a good idea what you're saying there. And I'll be like, you know what? I didn't even realise it. Thanks for coming up and making me aware of that. Well, can you, can you go over that metaphor again? Which one? I'm betting a million euro on red. Yeah, so if you're going to bet a million euro on red to mm. win one euro, that's like a massive risk Yeah. to win like very little wins or whatever you call it, like, uh, you know, um, what do you call it? Like uh, benefit. Yeah, but this is to represent which idea? Well, again, it could be anything. So I, it depends. The fear might come up and tell me, like, you know, what you're doing there. You're going to have, like, a massive risk there, and you're only going to win this. Oh, right, right. And I'm like, you know what? I wasn't even aware of that. Thanks for coming up. The typical one that I normally say is, like, for instance, if I got up on the roof now and started dancing around there with a blindfold on, and not, like, and think, you know what? I'll just jump off, like, the third floor of the thing. I'll probably be all right. My fear would just come up and say, you fucking stupid and that. Like, don't be fucking doing that. And I'd be glad that it came up. Because I might be a bit drunk and that and thinking, oh, it's a great idea. And that, like, my fear would be coming up going, I'll be doing that shit. Because what am I getting? I'm taking a massive risk. What am I going to benefit from it? A little, like, two minutes of, like, dancing around on the roof, like, with blindfold on and that. It's just ridiculously stupid. Mm. I want my fear to come up and tell me you're being an idiot. Stop doing that right now. I'm here to protect you. Uh, but but your fear's been programmed to tell you all kinds of things are dangerous when they're actually not. Well, it'll refer to the hypnotic program. Mm. So mm. in the past, if you've been afraid of rejection all the time, then it will come up whenever you, it seems like, oh, it'll project into the future and it'll be like, we're going to get rejected there and it'll come up and tell you we're going to get rejected there. That's dangerous to mm. us. And then you, it's up to you then. So if you use the magic secret key, you could just say to it, well, it's okay now to get rejected. When I was five and, you know, that happened and that, like, fair enough, it's, you know, that was then. Now it's okay to do that. And what I'll either do is I'll either just step out the way straight away. I'll just release straight away and just go, okay, we can do that now. Fair, fair enough. I'm just here to protect you. And if it's okay now to do it, great, let's do it. But... There might be something in there, say like it was something when I was five. That that five year old me is gonna come up and say, I'm scared and that I'm gonna get rejected and that I don't wanna happen to that. I don't want it to happen. I'll be like, Tell me more. Mm. It's making you say that. Oh well like, this happened and tell me more. I'm not gonna tell it like I'll cheer up or whatever, or come on, you know. Don't be so like whatever. No, tell me more. I wanna know your reality. I wanna feel what you're feeling, I wanna Think what you're thinking. I want to go into your tunnel vision at the moment. I want to. I want to know your experience, because if I do that, I'll accept it unconditionally, and then it'll just materialize back into me, like as the mind would sort of see it. It will get accepted back in now, because mm. I'm not scared of that rejection of pain anymore. And the funny thing about it is that when I go back to the situation, 
if it's something that I really want to do, then I'll just go and do it. And if I get rejected, I'll be like, oh, whatever, I got rejected. <laughs> it doesn't mm. really mean that much to me. Or I might come back and think, you know what? Oh, it seems like a bit too much risk, actually, with like no benefit or anything. So, whatever. But I'm looking at it now through clarity. I'm not looking through it through fear. I'm not looking through it like with lack or anything like that. I'm mm. just looking at it from my authentic, neutral, transparent self. That would just look at it and just say, well, does this resonate with us inside? Nah, it doesn't really resonate that much, actually. Okay. No, then we're not going to do it. Or it might be like, wow, it was resonating powerfully now. And I'll be like, let's go and do it then. Mm. Yeah, so so uh, as a practical guide um, for yeah applying this, um, I suppose you could just think of the things that you'd like to do. Uh, maybe there are some things you're not doing that you know, you kind of feel you would like to do. Um, and then like investigate what feeling you're trying to protect yourself from by not doing that and then just uh, say that it's okay to to feel whatever feeling that is yeah and notice if it comes up yeah and then just to feel that because that's kind of like uh, the the emotional reaction the emotion that's elicited as a result of saying that might be like a an embodiment of that feeling and so when you accept it you yeah. you tell your uh, brain that it's okay to feel that and then it no longer needs to prevent you from trying something and then you can just try and like try whatever thing that it is and then try and fail and try and fail and try and fail mm-hmm. until you like uh yeah because failing's not a problem, though. Yeah, exactly. You've changed the definition of it, literally. Yeah. It doesn't mean that anymore. And when you make failure or rejection or uh, any any possible unpleasant outcome okay, then you're free to do anything because you're not afraid of anything. Exactly. Anything can happen. Yeah. So you free yourself and your life completely, in a way, Yeah. by just being okay, like... Yeah, by, like you would say, balancing. Yeah. So discovering those parts that you've labeled as not okay and then, like, uh, accepting those. And then then you that means that you accept everything. And that puts you in a much more powerful position in your life. Yeah, because then you are going to do things that just resonate with you. Yeah. Your heart will say, this sounds like great fun, let's do this. And you'll be like, yep, yeah, okay, let's go and do it, no matter what it is. Yeah, because because the 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 calling from your heart about, about loads of things is clouded with the the voice of the the scared brain. Well, the hypnotic programming, okay. basically. Right, right. It's... Because again, if that programming is programmed in by other people, that's not your programming. Mm. Because, like I said, you know, there's no way I'm going to get out on the roof and start dancing around with a blindfold on, and then jump off and think I'm going to be okay. That's my fears there to protect me from that shit. Because it knows, it's learned in the past, it's seen videos of people jumping off buildings and stuff and breaking their ankles and stuff like that, and it's thought, there's no way we're going to go through that. Yeah, but you show it that it's okay to, like, uh, that you actually don't fall off the roof, basically. Well, I'm not even going to do that, because there's no point in me doing that. Oh, I thought we were using a metaphor, okay. (laughs) No, like, I'm literally, I mean it, like, literally, I'm using, like, an extreme example of stupidity. Okay. Like, where I'm going to get nothing out of it, 
and I'm just going to take a massive risk and risk either breaking my legs or just actually dying from mm-hmm. that, like, for no fucking reason at all. So my fear will tell me, don't be being so stupid. It'll come oh, up straight listen away. To it. Imagine I started just going out the window. I said, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go out and dance there on the window and my blindfold. My fear will be like, there's no way you're doing that. I'm going to stop you doing that. Mm. So it's like, yeah, it's good that you have fear. The, that's the whole thing. Your fear is like one of your best friends. Why? Because it protects you. Mm. It's just that when you were young, it got told that it has to protect you from feelings. And it's not its job. Mm. And it doesn't want to do it. I often have it with people. They come to me, they're like in pure fear. And when we make, when I speak with the advisor, because it's just an advisor, I speak with it with respect. I tell it like, I know I understand what it's doing and I know it's doing its best. And then I tell it like, would you be, or I ask it, would you be prepared to take a step back in these situations and let the person now deal with these uncomfortable feelings? And it's like, totally, because it's not my job. I got stuck with this job. It's not my job to protect you from yourself. It's more than happy. And then after a few weeks, if the person really has took the responsibility and is feeling those feelings, when the person comes back and then I ask the fear again, how do you feel about that now? The fear is like more than happy. It's like, oh, it's so great. Mm. I don't have to do all those jobs that I'm not. It's not my job. Your job to protect you from yourself. What a bullshit. I'm there to protect you from the outside world. The outside world can damage that body. I'm here for that. I'm not here to protect you from the inside world. What the fuck? What's this bullshit? Mm. And it loves that. It comes back and it'll tell me. I'll ask it. How, how does it feel like to be able to be so free now and that? And the person says, like, it's wonderful, like, of course. I'm not having anxiety all the time. And the fear's like, ah, oh, I'm having a great time because I'm just not doing all those stupid jobs that I shouldn't be doing anyway. So it's there to protect you. Yeah, so especially if you live in fear of certain feelings and you you're gonna have yeah, you're gonna be in a lot more you you're gonna have a lot more anxiety than if you progressively like train yourself, I guess, to uh to be okay with any feeling. Well you just take the responsibility, actually that's all you have to do. We take the responsibility to feel those feelings now. That's it. Mm. And most people stand on the outside and they want proof first that it's going to work. And that's why they get stuck. Because it's in that sort of seeing is believing kind of mentality. And I always say to people with that, like, good luck with that. Because all you just, you've got to take action first to create the proof. And if you're not going to take action first, you want the proof first before you take action. You're just going to be stuck. Good luck with that. Mm. and that's where most people go wrong because they try and analyse it all and get an idea of like logically understand it first before I actually apply it <laughs> yeah well 10 years later you'll still be doing that right yeah because you got to apply it you got to just the use the tools yeah. and when you apply it and you get the proof that's going to get written into your hypnotic programming oh I, I felt that feeling and then it, it sort of it was it was intense for a while and then it just disappeared and now I don't have it anymore that's going to get written literally into your hypnotic programming mm. that it's safe because you've just survived you've just, you've just proved it you're okay yeah. you've just proved it and mm. it gets written into your hypnotic like, program because your brain literally still thinks that yeah that it's not okay that it's not going to be safe because it's in your programming yeah well, it's just a suggestion in there saying like it's not going to be safe so you basically are just like well I'll show you and then you yeah. just you stay with it and then you and then you, until the feeling like goes away and then you're still there and you're like see I'm fine yeah 
Yeah. But what most people will do first, because the intellect will try and avoid doing that. So what most people will do first is they'll, they'll, they'll be like, well, I'll sit with this feeling for like an hour. And then after an hour, I'm going to evaluate if it's gone or not. That's not self-love. That's self-rejection. Because you're still seeing it as a problem. Whereas self-love would just say, well, I'm going to sit with this feeling as long as it takes. Because there is no past and there is no future. Mm. I'm not looking for an end result. I'm doing it to do it, to connect with it. That's the only reason I'm doing it. Because it's appeared. My job, if you could call it that, is just to connect with it, with self-love. And recognise it without judging it. That's it. But the intellect will grab hold of that and think, well, I'll do that. So later on, then I'll feel better. That's not the reason you're doing it. Because that, again, is suggesting that you're not feeling better is a problem. Mm. Where the self-love would say, well, if you don't feel better, then I'll connect with that. It doesn't matter to me what feeling comes up. If it's an uncomfortable one, a comfortable one, I'm just going to connect with them all with self-love. Pure recognition without any judgment. And the intellect will hijack that first and try to do it like that. So that's what most people will do. They go through that little process first of the, of the intellect. They'll say, I'll always notice when they come back, they'll say it didn't work. Whenever I hear that, I just know that's the intellect speaking to me because self-love would never say it didn't work because mm. the only like goal of the exercise is to connect with it. That's it. And the heart does that anyway. So by it doing it, doing you it. succeed. I, yeah, again, you're going back to the Ramana Maharshi's one, what I use all the time. Make the experience the goal. The yeah. experience is to connect with that uncomfortable feeling in here and now. That's it. Now, funny thing about it is like the byproduct of that is after a while, that feeling will disappear and it will express and it will leave. But that's not the reason you're doing it because that's the intellect saying that feeling's a problem and it needs to go so I can be happy. And that's where people trip themselves up all the time. It's where the intellect will trip itself up all the time. And they'll try that. So people will come back and they'll say to me, yeah, I tried that. That's another word that whenever I hear that, it's just the intellect speaking. I tried that and it didn't work. And I'll ask them, well, what was your intention? And they say, well, I've done it for like two hours and then I didn't feel better at the end. And I said, that's not the intention. The mm. intention is to connect with it in the here and now. That's it. So self-love was doing that but then the intellect came along afterwards and hijacked that whole experience and said see it didn't work because it's still trying to get rid of those feelings where the self-love would just say I'm connecting with those feelings that's the reason I'm doing it just to connect with those feelings whatever feeling it may be doesn't make any difference to me and then in the end I suppose it becomes automatic because well yeah because again you're writing it into your hypnotic programming that it's okay. That it's okay. Whatever. So now you're doing it. Like now you've let go. You've learned. Okay, I'm still trying to fix it. I think in the very first podcast, we we you asked me something about that. Like where someone says, "Well, you know, I'll say I'm gonna go and do it and that, mm. but if I'm really, really honest, I'm still <laughs> gonna try and get rid of it." Well, it's that very mentality that's causing every single fucking problem that you've ever had with any feeling inside your body. That's the problem. Mm. So yeah. once you stop doing that, then suddenly you realise there never was a problem. Those feelings are not problems. It was that mentality that I had that I had to get rid of them. That was the problem. And once you let that go and you realise that's what's causing the problem, that's when, like when we use that metaphor of like you're putting a hand in the fire, but you don't realise that it's that action of putting a hand in the fire that's causing the burning feeling. Once you make that association on an experiential level and you realise oh, that's what's doing it, 
I'm putting my hand in that big orange thing and it's causing that burning feeling. That's the cause of it. Once you recognize that in your hypnotic programming, it just falls away because it becomes a choice now. Shall I put my hand in the fire and burn it or shall I stop doing that? Mm. And that's how it changes. And so by avoiding any emotion, you're putting your hand in the fire. But you don't realize you're putting your hand in the fire. Well, yeah, in that sense. You're by trying to avoid it because you can't really avoid them, can you? Because first of all, you'll feel it and then you'll try to avoid it, first of all. Mm. So you can't avoid it in that sense because first of all, you've got to feel it to know that it's there and then you're going to try and avoid it. Right. Because if you if you didn't, then you wouldn't even be aware of it, would you? Yeah. Didn't feel it, then it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be there. Mm. Yeah, so... But I feel like this makes up a part of something uh, bigger in the scheme of what you talk about. It, it sounds like just a practical application of, well, I link it to resistance and how, yeah, when when you connect with the way you feel, it's kind of like saying you connect to like a, a part of reality instead of uh, resisting it. <laughs> Should I elaborate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so it sounds like it, it, it. You basically, you would encourage people to just be, like that. That resisting, the mind resisting is what creates a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is the resistance. Because right. it lives in that duality. Because you need two, don't you, to resist? If there's only one, what's going to resist? Mm. That's the whole reason why it is the resistance. And sometimes it will resist things and sometimes it won't. But because it lives in that duality, that's why it is the resistance. Imagine we take away the mind. Mm. So we go back to the baby six months there in the bed. Where's the resistance now for the baby in its experience? Yeah. How can it resist anything? Yeah. It can't because it's not there yet. Yeah. Only yeah. So that goes back to like the recognition again. That's the that's the foundation in which the mind has built all its mental structures on. So once you start recognizing that on a deep level, it doesn't matter what the mind says now. Because it's the mind that's the one that's resisting, not you. And when you associate with one side of the mind resisting the other side, or you're against the resistance, because it'll only be the mind that'll come and say, you know, we're going to have to stop resisting, aren't we? You know, if we were just to allow ourselves this, that's just the mind speaking, just the other side of the resistance. So once you realize you're not the mind, then you stay out of that duality and suddenly you realize, oh, that resistance is happening in the mind, in me. Because mm. the mind came after me, not before me. I was around first. I was six months lying there and we caught just like beings, just like oh, experience and shit. <laughs> no, like, oh, oh, I think I'll have to like resist this because I don't like that thing. I didn't think that anymore. It wasn't there yet. And that's what the mind trips itself up because it'll... It'll create certain sort of set of rules or certain things for itself where it'll sort of micromanage and get to the point where it's in a situation where it feels like it's not resisting anymore. And it'll sort of try to stay in that as long as possible. But it won't be able to do it because sooner or later, because it lives in the duality, 
something will come along and say, oh, you know, that's not good enough or that's not true. And then it'll resist against that. And it'll say things like, but I, I'm, I'm enlightened now. I don't resist anymore. And that like, <laughs> it'll resist that other thought that comes like, you are resisting. And then again, it'll just go into the duality and argue with itself. While the heart's just sitting there, just like laughing, just watching the show, going, "This is fucking hilarious." It's <laughs> like, mm. so the key is just to watch it unfold. Well, to recognize that you are the awareness in which it it is unfolding, mm. always goes back to the same thing, because that's the core of what you are. You are the awareness in which everything happens. You just keep going back to that all the time. You're going back to the very core of what you are. Everything else came afterwards. So if you affect anything there, again, when you recognize that, that's the core of what you are, that'll get written into your hypnotic program. I am the awareness. Oh, now it's going into the program. Now the program is telling you as well. Oh, I am the awareness, but I'm having an experience. It's like a little puppet or an avatar or whatever you want to call it. In myself. Hmm. But it seems like I'm limited. But I'm not really, but it's the experiences that I am. Mm. So, in terms of practical tools, I'm just going to list some and maybe you can add whatever I don't mention. Ask yourself regularly, am I aware? Yeah. And then when you do that as well, it's important. You're not looking for an answer. The answer will always be yes anyway. It does. What you're actually doing there is you send your attention back to its source. And when that happens, there'll be a silent space there. So a little experiment, what you could do is just sit there for 10 minutes and just say to yourself for 10 minutes, that's all I'm going to ask myself, but not like a mantra or anything. I'm going to ask it to myself. So I'm going to ask myself, am I aware? Yeah. Notice the little silent space there before the answer came. That's what you're recognizing. That's the true you, the silent space. So you're not really looking for the answer at all. The answer is just superficial. It'll always be, yeah, but it'll be superficial. What you're doing is you're recognizing the silent space and then you just want you to relax your attention in the silent space. So you're not focusing in the silent space. It's like a, a relaxing of mm. your focus. And then ask it again, am I aware? Yeah, and then ask it again and what will happen is you'll notice that that silent space will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger when it's not really because it's there all the time what's happening is the thoughts that come that normally cover it up they'll come less and less and less so I think last time we said about um, you know people who put on bird suits and go on fly so they can mm -hmm. just experience no thoughts and that this yeah. is another way to do that very simple if you keep doing it long enough after a while the mind will just start to short out after a while because one, it'll get bored with saying yeah all the time and it'll just shut up and you'll notice that that silent space will get a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger but it won't be getting bigger and bigger. That's the experience that you might have because you're so used to focusing on the thoughts that it'll seem like the silent space is getting bigger and bigger and bigger but it won't be that and when I mean bigger and bigger I mean between the question and the answer. Mm. So you'll be like, am I aware? But like really, not like, oh, I'm aware, I'm aware. No, am I aware? Notice that silent space. That's the true answer. That's you. 
And if you do it like for 10 minutes, you'll notice it'll get, it'll, from that perspective, it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. But what's really happening is those thoughts that normally clutter it all up, they'll disappear. Mm. And you'll be able to experience what you said in the other one, like a sort of what people will call pure presence without any thoughts. That's a very simple way to do it. Mm. Yeah, because there was a, a while back you were, you, you were telling me something about, you used a metaphor with... Um, like a movie and like pictures yeah but you don't see that the movie is actually just uh a bunch of different pictures right yeah it does like uh like i think it's like 20 i think it's like 32 now in the past it used to be like 24 a second i think it's like 32 now a second not Mm. sure but the flashing like very quickly but it gives the illusion that it's like sort of fluid yeah and and so it's the same with like you could say maybe with the present moment right like it's just one picture well it's not a picture it's just a screen without a picture Mm. and those thoughts are pictures coming on it like that so what you're doing there is you're sort of slowing it right down so now you're starting to see wait a minute there's the screen without the picture which you would call Uh pure presence and then oh screen with picture oh screen without picture Oh, screen with picture. Oh, screen without picture. And then after a while, it'll be like screen without picture. Screen with picture. Am I aware? Yeah, I am. Screen with no picture. If you do it long enough, then you start to recognize, like, that's what you're doing. You're recognizing yourself. That's the conscious silent space of the here and now. But the mind is looking for an object in it. But it's not an object. You'll never find it as an object. If it's an object, it won't be it. It'll be something that's temporary and comes and goes. But that silent space never comes and goes. So that metaphor that I used with you, that's like, it's like we're watching the film on the screen and we're convinced that it's fluid. And we watch it and it's convinced it's fluid. But then I take you behind the scenes and I say, look, this is how it works. It's like a picture, a silent space, a picture, a silent space, and it flickers at such a fast speed that it's too quick for your eyes to, to notice the flickering. And I can show you that in the mechanism of it and show you, look, see, there's the picture there and there's the space. There's the picture there and there's the space. Let's say it's an old projection film because that's easy to visualize. Remember, you just pull out the film and you can mm. see like there's literally like a, a space in between each picture. And I show you that and you understand that now. You understand the mechanism of how it works. But then we go back and we watch the film again. It still looks the same. It still looks exactly the same. But now you know on a deeper level what's really going on. Even though the illusion is exactly the same as beforehand. The only difference is beforehand the illusion was there and you didn't have the understanding. And now you've got the understanding and the illusion's still there. That's what you're doing when you're doing that when you're focusing your attention back into the like the source of where it came, you're exposing the fact that the screen's there all the time and a thought, which we could compare to the picture, comes and so mm. the first thought would be yes. When you ask, am I aware? Yes. And then just stay with that for a moment. Just notice the space. After a while, if you ask it enough, like the, it won't even answer anymore, yes. It'll just be like... It, it will just stay in the recognition of it being aware so being aware of being aware is the highest like realization or the deepest realization that you will ever ever experience why 
because that's what you truly are on the deepest level. Mm. And the, the intellect doesn't like that. It thinks, ah, I'm going to have to go and do all crazy things to, to go on. And that's basically what all uh, spiritual practices are, is to get you to this point where you realize this and it's just so simple. You just ask yourself, am I aware? The mm. answer's always going to be yeah, and that's it. Because the mind's looking for some answer as a thought, as a set of a sentence that says, oh, this is what it is and that, but that's not what it is. What it is is this. The silent space. Even to call it the silent space is not true because I've just labelled it. I've just put a label on that mm. experience of what we just experienced then when no one was talking. It's a little experiment for yourself to do. If you want to experience like the, the presence, as you would call it, what I would call like the awareness, without any thoughts in it. Just... Keep asking yourself that with curiosity. Really think about it. Go deep into it because it'll make the mind crash because it doesn't know the answer. It'll only come up with yes as an answer. Am mm. I aware? And there's a few other ones, a few other questions you could ask as well with the same kind of effect. Another one, a favorite one of mine when I was doing it is uh, notice a thought coming up and then either ask the thought or ask your thinking. Where did you just come from? So let's say we're asking the thought. Mm. Thought comes up, doesn't matter what it is. It could be a thought about anything. You just recognize it as being a thought mm-hmm. and then ask it, where did you just come from? So let, I'll do it with you and let's see what happens. So just notice a thought coming up and when you've got one, let me know. Potato. Yeah. So where did that thought just come from? Notice the silent space. Mm. That's where it came from. That's the true answer. Hmm. But your mind will try and think of a, a thought, a label, to say, oh, it came from whatever. So t- what typically what happens when people, they'll say like, oh, my brain. Okay, where did your brain come from? Oh, that came from, uh, I don't know, my body. Where did your body come from? Oh, that came from my parents. Where did your parents come from? And just keep going, and either you'll get to the point where the mind will just get bored of it, and it'll shut up. And when it shuts up, there's a silent space. Or it'll start going round in circles because it doesn't know the answer. And then after a while, it'll get bored of that and it'll shut up. Or it'll just crash. Like it sort of did pretty quickly with you there. It just sort of like, boom, I don't know the answer. Mm. And if you notice, what happens is every answer that I said there is just another thought. So I could just keep asking, well, where did that thought come from? Where did that thought come from? Where did that thought come from? which you could also do it like that. And sooner or later, it's just going to crash because it doesn't know. Or you could take the content of the thought and just ask, well, where did that come from? Either way is good. If you do that, again, do it for like five or 10 minutes with curiosity. And what will happen is it'll just crash and there's the silent space without all the clutter in it, without all the thoughts in it. And then one will come again and then just ask it again, where did you just come from? And it'll be like, Because the mind doesn't know. It can't give you a proper answer. But the true answer is this. That's where it came. Out the silent space. Amazing. Cool. I think we'll end it there. Yeah, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Thanks again. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure, as always.